0: This is The Guardian. It's only a week since Boris Johnson finally met his Waterloo, but we're already down to six candidates in the race to be the next Tory leader and Prime Minister. The last few days have been a riot of completely brilliant campaign videos, a big debate about tax cuts. We need a return to traditional conservative economic values. And that means honesty and responsibility, not fairy tales. And the somewhat bizarre framing of certain issues.
1: I think it was Margaret Thatcher that said that every prime minister needs a willy. A woman like me doesn't have one.
0: However absurd and surreal it all may get, what's being decided in front of our eyes is the immediate future of this battered and weary country. I'm John Harris and you're listening to Politics Week in the UK for The Guardian. Joining me today are The Guardian columnist Marina Hyde, who we've been trying to get on this podcast for quite a long time. Now she's got a book out called What Just Happened? A question I ask myself almost every minute at the moment. We thought it was perfect timing to have her in. We're also joined, it gives me great pleasure to say, by The Guardian columnist, Raphael Bear. Hello to you both. Hi, John. Hello, John. Hello. Um, Before we talk about the Tory party leadership rat race game show, whatever it is, I wanted to just talk briefly about the heat, the stifling heat we're talking on Wednesday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday next week, apparently it's going to peak. We all know about British people in hot weather. What are you like with it, Marina?
2: Well, I'm all right. I rather enjoy it. But s- someone told me that the government have been very worried about riots for a long time in their disaster planning. They've really been thinking about it quite hard since 2020. So I wonder if they're really thinking about it now. Well,
3: I, well, I mean, I live by the seaside, so I'm completely relaxed. I'm, but they, well, it's going to be like 37 degrees next week, you were just telling me. That's quite hot. That's 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 definitely... The point at which the UK's general capacity to cope with rational thought probably breaks down—I can see that.
0: I think.
2: Well, I think that's room temperature, isn't it?
0: <laughs> Trains will be cancelled. There's already very little in my local little supermarket. I think for a mixture of sort of Brexit and COVID reasons, they're going to close my daughter's school because of the heat next week.
2: Like it's I said, just bad. In I told you about the riots before they happened. You're inciting riots now. I don't
3: think we should let this podcast go out. I think it's too dangerous. I think Marina is basically starting a riot. And in the interest of public safety, we should stop now.
0: We're not going to do the Kaiser Chiefs segue, Raf. Or maybe we will. Anyway, we're recording this just after 5pm on Wednesday. The results from the first ballot of Conservative MPs on who will be their next leader have just been announced. There were eight people standing. And after the vote, it's down to six. They are Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss, Penny Morden, Kemi Badenoch, Suella Braverman and Tom Tugendhat. Jeremy Hunt and Nadim Sahawi are both out. And in part two, we'll zoom out a bit and talk about the future of the Conservative Party after three chaotic years of Boris Johnson. Let's talk um, about the leadership contest, who's left in it and, and where it's all going. Um, Raf, a process question to start with. What is now going to happen over the next couple of weeks?
3: Uh, Well, over the next few hours, everyone talks wildly and speculates about things that won't actually happen. But then in terms of the actual practice of it, there's another ballot on Thursday uh, where whoever comes last It's a secret ballot of MPs. They vote. Whoever comes last gets eliminated. They keep doing that. They want to get that done before Parliament rises, which I think is the 21st of July. Uh, And then the last two go to a ballot of a membership. The members vote and then the winner of that vote becomes the prime minister in time for essentially,
0: uh, I think, 5th of September. Okay, so in around a week, we will uh, we'll be down to two. That's quite a speedy process, really. Um, let's talk about the, the three candidates who, at, at the moment at least, appear to be the front-runners. Marina, I thought Rishi Sunak's sort of front-rank, high-profile political career was probably over. A matter of what feels like weeks ago when it turned out he was posing with someone else's car. He couldn't use a debit card. And his wife either was or had been a non-dom. And now now he's, he's said to be... A front-runner, if not the front-runner in this contest.
2: Well, I think he's... No, I think he's much less popular than people in Westminster have allowed themselves to sort of reconvince themselves that he is the right idea. I think it's... I don't know. They listen to a lot of noise. But if you can see what ordinary people who loved him when he was buying burgers or, you know, organising furlough or whatever it is... He's his popularity fell off a cliff. And I don't understand how people in Westminster have somehow, literally over the last sort of fortnight, convinced themselves all over again, to kind of try and float the boat again. I, I personally don't think that he is popular at all amongst people out there in the country. I'm sure that he might be popular amongst lots of MPs. I don't know. I think there's
3: also definitely a sense of brittleness about his campaign, even in Westminster. So he got a lot of momentum at the beginning because he was very well organised. But first of all, then you've got a massive target on your back because you're in front of the pack and everyone who thinks you stabbed Boris Johnson in the back has got it in for you. But also there's just something... You know, as you said, yeah, the fact that it all went unravelled for him once before, I think, was because when he's well rehearsed and he knows exactly what he's doing, he's quite capable. But can he? does he have any kind of agility or any adaptability? That's really untested and I, I kind of agree with Marina. I think he could unravel.
0: Every day it feels like there's at least a minor PR mishap. Um, some footage surfaced of him from a BBC documentary filmed in 2001 called Middle Class is the Rise and Sprawl and he sounded like this. I have friends who are aristocrats, I have friends who are upper class, I have friends who are you know,
1: working class, but I'm well, not working class. But I mix and match, and then I go to see kids from an inner city state school and tell them, you know, to apply to Oxford and talk to them about people like me. And then I shock them at the end of chatting to them for half an hour and tell them I was at Winchester. And you know, one of my best friends is from Eton or whatever. You know, and and then they're like, oh, okay. He's he's
2: literally. This is he's saying this before that meme. You've never debated anyone like me. So like, I, <laughs> isn't he? He's that guy. No, I mean he's. I, there's nothing to him. He's just a brand. I, I really, I don't know why people have suddenly convinced themselves. The and it's quite extraordinary. Or
0: Reconvince themselves. This is a new concept to reconvince yourself of something you were disabused of a matter of weeks ago. Why is it happening? Okay, I
2: will. On paper,
3: you can see. First of all, you know, The job is Prime Minister and he has been Chancellor of the Exchequer and there was a period when he looked sort of capable and dependable and competent in that context. And so actually compared to the rest of the pack, I mean, there's some people who who can perform adequately, but there's not that many people who've done a serious job in government at a time when yeah, there's a cost of living crisis, there's lots of stuff to get through. So I don't know, you can see how it might make sense to just have someone who has at least a sort of base level of professionalism.
2: Well, compared to Johnson's cap- lots of Johnson's cabinet, he actually looks like he has a base level of professionalism. You know, when you see Rhys Mogg and Nadine Doris out there, I mean, honestly, if you were riding your tricycle around the Overlook Hotel you'd come round the corner and see those two wouldn't you him in the the pinstripe so next to hit them he kind of looks like he is put together and works but I totally would agree with you on the brittleness the fact that he can't take any questions almost the only interesting thing he's ever done is sneakily hang on to a green card while he was holding one of the officers of state I mean I'm kind of fascinated what what did he think he was doing he's always riding two horses I also as someone who is just really hoping that we can get back to some idea of public service found some of the quotes in the wake of the original implosion over the non-dom wife status earlier this year were so awful there was this one person who said you know he's not the sort of guy who's going to hang around if he's not going to Become prime minister, you can see him resigning quite quickly. I just thought, oh, I'm sorry. Did you not get the Did you not get the job you wanted? Oh, I'm sorry. You can flounce out then. I mean, what sort of person is that?
3: And comparing himself um, to who was it? Will, oh, Sm- Will Smith. Smith. That's right. Yeah, says says they, they, he, he's the victim. He's a real victim here with his of, kind of million squirrels away.
2: He had one job. In that, you've got one person in the world not to compare yourself to that way. You? Oh, you you're like Will Smith, are you? Right. Okay.
0: So the fact that he has amassed the support that he has I mean he's just received the votes of 88 MPs and it seems to be the expectation he will almost automatically be one one of the final two it's a bit like when I was involved in the music industry there would be quiet weeks in the album charts (laughs) And some unmentionable load of rubbish by an indie group might suddenly arrive at number five just because there was nothing else out that week, really. It's a bit like that. Yes, I feel we've been
2: trapped in that week for about five years. Uh, yeah, we all
0: feel like that. Anyway, talking of quiet weeks in the charts, let's go on to another, another uh, merchant of underwhelming music, arguably, metaphorically speaking. Liz Truss, who is, has tried to position herself as the anti sunak candidate. She's backed by... It's a proper rogues gallery here. Nadine Doris, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Quasi Kwarteng to Henna Davis, the MP for Bishop Auckland. Um, something odd is going on here, isn't it? Because the Leavers have decided to back Truss, who was a Remainer in the 2016 referendum campaign, and they've declared war on Sunak, who was a Leaver in the twenty six referendum campaign. Everything seems to have been rather upended.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, with Liz Truss, she's, she's burnished her credentials as a hardcore Leaver by being... Not literally the author of, but at least the political sponsor of the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill. So that gives her quite robust credentials, and she's also sort of cultivated that faction a little bit. But also, you've got to remember that they they quite like the fact that their candidate can, you know, has that vulnerability that she was an ex-Remainer because then they can keep leaning on her to. And that's what they had over Theresa May that she had to yes. scrub the stain of Remain away from her herself, and that forced her to be even more hardline. There than is she a theory the around
0: that this is what they do. Like school bullies, they sort of anoint someone who isn't one of them on the basis that they'll then be sort of weak and and beholden to the leavers, and they'll then sort of bully them and kick them around for however long they're in office.
2: Well, I can well believe that. I mean, but I don't, I don't. She's not very ballsy, Liz Truss. That's what people who work with her say. Even though she likes to cultivate this impression of someone who is, she's actually a very cautious person, and you can see that from how she's handled the last, well, m- much of this year, but she's never made a move when she should have done.
0: She's been on quite a journey. Do you, do you know she was a member of the youth wing of the Liberal Democrats? And there is footage you could easily find on YouTube in which she makes the case for getting rid of the monarchy. Yes, I've seen this, And then she's this, yes. a Remainer, and, and then she's the anointed... And quite, a, quite an
3: ardent Remainer. Well, to the extent that she was... I think she was at that stage she saw her professional meal ticket with George Osborne and so she was very loyal to the Osborne project right up until the moment that it collapsed and then she sort of jumped ship. I mean, it's, that is essentially what people say about her, isn't it? That there is a, a huge amount of raw, unchanneled ambition and it will attach itself to whatever she thinks happens to be the most useful vehicle at that moment. And right now that's those ERG right-wing Tory factions to uh, be the stop where she can. And
0: notwithstanding everything we've just said, She remains a serious contender, certainly for the next couple of days. I mean, she's still worth taking seriously. Yeah, well, she's a foreign secretary. We we have to take
2: this trust seriously, John. (laughs) I'll be taking her seriously for the rest of her career, whatever she goes on to do.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right. She's in danger of getting overtaken by Penny Mordaunt. Well, let's talk about
0: Penny Mordaunt. Now, Penny Mordaunt, a matter of two or three days ago, the odds given on Penny Mordaunt winning this contest were about three to one today you could get
2: her longer bef- you could get her longer at the end even of longer story.
0: right and then today she's four, she's on 4 to 6 she's now the favorite um suddenly and i feel a bit like um this is being recorded on a wednesday we're in the midst of one of those sort of in part like a, one of those media spasms that anointed david cameron as the favorite all of a sudden there just seems to have some sense today that everything has suddenly cohere wednesday was the day of her launch and so on it's all and a spasm. We're going runner. to
2: convulse out another prime minister like some arranged marriage. We're going to have a long time. The British public and Penny are going to then have plenty of years to get to know each other. It's mad. I mean, you know. But this is the thing. In the the s- less you hold know on, about, the It's mad them the in the sense
0: I was going to say. So it's like an arranged marriage, and it's mad in the sense that nobody really knows anything about her.
2: That that's that's her appeal. The last six years have been so bad that we're now looking for, like, clean skins that actually nobody knows. You know, it's like a sort of Jason Bourne figure. We're to get someone that no-one knows anything about just because it's more likely that they won't be as bad as the horrendous ones we do know about.
0: Can we got ourselves in the mordant mood with a little bit of her promo video? I'd
2: love to hear it again.
0: <laughs> we're starting the process of electing a new leader of the Conservative Party. The party will have a new leader. The nation will have a new prime minister. We must choose this person with solemnity and wisdom. We must choose not just for ourselves, but for all of us. When I first saw that, I couldn't tell whether it was a parody or not. Certainly in that part of it, Ralph, did you feel similarly?
3: Oh well no, it was presented to me as Beyond Parody, so I knew immediately it was <laughs> authentic. But no, look, it's easy to mock, as it is with lots of these things, but you know, here is someone who understands what the kind of selectorate is for this contest, you know, someone who's thinking about it's the membership of the Conservative Party that ultimately gonna decide this thing if she can get into the last two. So it seemed to be a you know, that it was a it's a rational choice to... to yeah, to, to not try and be yeah, too smart. Yeah, it's not really it's
2: on Twitter. I mean, if people if people like this, then maybe she's done the right thing. I mean, I found it hysterical. But can I just, just a little point of process again, Ralph. What is the electorate, the selectorate that is always described as the most sophisticated electorate in the world? Is that the MPs in Parliament doing the process that they're doing now? Or is the most sophisticated and electorate in the world TM the Conservative members? Because it's one or not other. Not in those my experience, in, yeah. I have well, to no, say. Not no. in any of our experience. We've all lived through the last few choices, but
0: No, no, but up close, having they're, having they're seen some of them at Tory to, conferences. or
3: No, I think that it's the former process, the idea that they're just this incredibly uh, you know. Confusing and theme. clever, yeah. you know, articulation yeah. of political interest filtered through the Parliamentary Conservative Party. That's the that's the
0: clever bit, apparently. What she's really selling them, it seems, is very non-specific and nebulous, but is sort of the idea that they're all all right, really, and with her in charge, they won't have to change that much. She made that point uh, at her launch on Wednesday when she made a rather uh, unnecessary reference, in my opinion, to Paul McCartney
1: recently. I think our party has lost its sense of self. If I can compare it to being in the Glastonbury audience when Paul McCartney was playing his set, (laughs) we indulged all those new tunes, but what we really wanted was the good old stuff that we all knew the words to. Low tax, small state, personal responsibility.
0: Imagine if, Paul McC- Imagine if Paul McCartney wrote a song called Small State. I mean, God help us, let alone Low Tax. Also, on a factual basis, Paul McCartney played no more than about three new songs when he played Glastonbury.
3: Yeah, I've maybe she just didn't like Live and Let Die.
0: You know, Probably just- didn't recognise Live and Let Die. But that's it's that's her pitch, isn't it? It's okay. It's comfort zone politics.
3: Well, the the clever position that she's got is that, uh, as Marina said, she wasn't in, well, she she was in Johnson's government, but not in his cabinet. So he's just by the fact of being Penny Morden, she's a kind of repudiation of the Johnson project, which is obviously gives her a certain amount of uh, impetus. uh, But. Actually, her politics, you know, she doesn't actually have to express any particular reason for rejecting Boris Johnson. It doesn't it's just quite be as Brexity as him. So there's a kind of, she occupies this quite useful space being new and different while also
0: somehow still continuity, Tory. And there are other, I mean, in fairness to her, there are interesting aspects of her biography. I mean, in general, it seems to me, she has a, a, a bit, of middle Englishness in a way that Theresa May did without the, quite so much of the stiffness and oh, the definitely. idea that she's a little bit odd. That isn't there to nearly the same extent. But then also. I
2: once saw a speech. I wonder if. Has anyone mentioned this over the last few days? I once saw a speech where she tried to get the word cock into. Yes. she said famously. it like. Uh, yeah, about sort of. About
0: poultry. She made a speech in the House of Commons about poultry.
2: She'd been dared by some. Fun people in the army she's had a funny. evening That's not running
0: with. in the wheat fields, is it? It's yeah. a little bit further no. out there. The other interesting thing about it, have you read that um, her mum, I think, died of cancer and then her father, while she was a teenager, got cancer. And in order to keep the family financially afloat, she took a job as a magician's assistant.
2: I did know that she was a magician's assistant, yes.
0: Um, I don't know whether that's just the sort of thing that the likes of Quentin lets will get a few paragraphs out of or whether it tells oh, you any, imagine anything how many substantial. Paragraphs. Imagine
2: how many paragraphs you'll get. There's quite a lot of... Yeah, I'm a bit annoyed. I'm sick of seeing her put in her swimsuit in the paper. She's worn a swimsuit like once and they keep putting in... I mean, how many times have you seen half these, you know, how many times have I seen Boris Johnson in a pair of swimming shorts? I didn't choose to, but we didn't have to have that every time they've had a picture of him. No, retire the swimsuit photo.
0: But plausible. To a greater extent than the others, it seems. This to is me.
2: like this is like the Moneyball version. You know, in, before Moneyball, people used to look at kind of base, when baseball scouts used to go and look at baseball players and just think, do they look like a ball player? And I really don't think we're in any more sophisticated territory than does does Rishi Sunat look like a prime minister? You know, does Penny Mordaunt no, look issue, like a
3: prime minister? The issue is whether. The she can be the non-rishi candidate, and whether the reservations that people have that we've sort of discussed about Liz Truss are such that in the next couple of rounds, enough of the trust people start to think, okay, actually get behind Penny yeah. because she's, she's not an actual yeah. lunatic, yeah, exactly. And then that, that once she's in those last two, then she could become prime minister. So, actually, yeah, that's why I think the betting
0: odds have shortened so much. Okay, can we skip through a, a few of the others while they're still around? Kemi Badenock, 42 years old. Um, backed for the moment by Michael Gove, among other people. Um, let me just check how many votes she got in this round. I've got this written down. 40 votes she got in in uh, Wednesday's vote. Um, really offering a sort of raw, no-holds-barred version of free-market conservatism. She's talked about the state only seeing to the bare essentials, in quote marks. Earlier this week, I was completely appalled by something she said. She said that she was making the case really for getting rid of what she called superfluous support staff and Peripheral activities in schools. I don't know whether she's been to a state school recently. Yeah. There's not many peripheral activities, and there aren't many, many
2: people saying there are too many, ain't many staff.
0: support staff, either superfluous or otherwise. But
2: it's separate from
3: the actual policies, because this is a conservative leadership contest and they will say this stuff, uh, I think the reason she's done quite well is actually she is a, an articulate and confident performer and she can do it quite effortlessly. She's quite good in front of a microphone and good in front of a camera, and she's good in, at the dispatch box. and I think a lot of those MPs have had their eye on her for a while as actually someone who's a bit of a rising star. So I think. She's getting a sort of a vote of confidence to be someone big in someone else's cabinet, is what's it's going on. It's still
0: mind boggling, though, isn't it? After 12 years of austerity and when we all know, even if you're not that interested in politics, we all know via like Marcus Rashford and Jack Monroe and God knows what, that poverty and want are in the culture. To talk in the sort of terms Kemi Badenoch has been doing does have a mind-boggling quality. It's
3: not as bonkers as Suella Braverman OK, let's talk exactly. about her then. <laughs> but this line, what what is she said about essentially this sort of benefit She said a lot of people were
0: sort of living the life of Riley on benefits. And
3: yet, that, I mean, I apart from that, just, it's, it's, it's you know, one of the sort of greatest hits from a Tory leadership contest about eight, eight years. Years ago. I mean, actually the one thing that the Conservative government might genuinely boast about is full employment. There actually aren't that many people in the category you know, even if you even if you wanted to caricature them in that way, there literally aren't anywhere near as many of them as there used to be.
0: Okay, just briefly, Tom Tugan hat, if I pronounce that correctly. Marina, any thoughts?
2: He's quite pleased with himself, isn't he? <laughs> I I wonder whether that well he, he he's there's always a sort of slight note of self-congratulation and he's and got I, a
0: forces thing going on as well that hasn't he yes john or,
2: he, he was in the army
0: okay but not just a reservist he was the real deal
2: he was in the army intelligence corps yes wow okay
0: i, I think, think when he was asked recently what's the naughtiest thing he's ever done he said invaded a country yeah that
2: was quite a good answer
0: how we laughed anyway we will now pause and return for part two to talk about the post boris johnson future of the conservative party if there is one Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us. Um before we talk about um the post Boris Johnson future of the Conservative Party and in fact conservatism, I wanted to ask Marina a couple of questions. Seeing as I'm on a book promo tour, I should treat you with a, you know, at least a vague <laughs> degree Like a guest. Of, yes. Specialness. Um
2: Special talent. Are you gonna miss Boris
0: Johnson as no. raw material for writing?
2: No, I've I feel like I have come to the end of the road, gone considerably far further past the end of the road. No, I won't miss him at all. I want new characters, but it was useful and also I mean, a new characters. You know, someone much who, more serious.
0: To yes. have someone so so rich with the worst sort of comic material was quite a thing. To be uh, gifted I mean, with,
2: wasn't it? oh, but it, it was quite. I mean, yes, it played out as we said it would. Do you think he
0: ran out of lines along roughly the, in roughly the way that he did?
2: No, because it played out as people had said it would. He was always going to be brought down by his own character. And it was just sort of waiting to see it happen. And I know I won't miss him at all. It's been far too long already.
0: Uh, And then another question follows on from that, from a writing perspective, who you would most like to win?
2: Oh, God. What, to to write? No, I mean, I I think they'll all be rich pickings. Really? Even the dull ones? Well, the dull ones won't get it. Um, No, I mean, it's really difficult to be prime minister and not become... A, a very interesting story and your character is exposed and tested in ways it never has been before. And in the case of people like, you know, Penny Morden, we don't really know what our character is. So. You
0: get the sense with Penny... I mean, because Penny Morden has suddenly become the front runner in the course of this week... Do you suspect there is fun to be had with Penny Morden in a way that we haven't discovered yet? Yes,
2: she will unfold um, herself to us like a lotus blossom. We, we know nothing about her and we're going to find out more, as I say, but possibly after she has become our prime minister. I mean, this is about it. Well, wh- why are we doing this again? Why Here we are again going through the same process which has given we, four prime ministers in just over six years. And we don't, don't even know who the new one is going to be if, if the front runner at the moment takes it.
3: Can I make a serious point about that? Actually, something that really bothers that, me. That was right? quite serious, no, by sorry. the way. <laughs> yeah, no, <okay>. I mean <laughs> it. Where <Yeah>. are we? <laughs> Can I make um, a, sorry, a more a banal point about that? <laughs> to follow on from Ruby's excellent, serious point. That although it's kind of constitutionally proper and normal that, the Conservative Party gets to choose the Prime Minister because they're incumbent and we've got this parliamentary system. There is this slightly weird thing that goes on where because... Um, it's not a general election. There's no kind of duty to, to balance out what crazy people are saying with what anyone else is saying. And so there's yeah. you know, the third time in six years you've had this where the prime minister's chosen that all of the news media has to basically kind of probe and test all the different candidates up to a point. And actually gradually the entire frame of British politics gets shunted rightwards in a way that it wouldn't if they had an obligation to actually put someone from another
0: party on the panel to say, actually, these people are all completely mad. That brings us on to something I wanted to discuss, which is this. Clearly, this leadership contest is going to set the coordinates of conservatism for the next two years. The Conservative Party is in a mess in two ways, it seems to me. Firstly, most immediately, it's been through three years of chaos under Boris Johnson. The Labour Party suddenly has a big poll lead. It's just lost two very symbolic by-elections. It's in a mess, right? But there's a sort of a longer arc here in terms of the mess the Conservative Party in, which is this. Even before Johnson became the Prime Minister, young people were not voting Tory, increasingly. The Tory party was losing its footing in a lot of English suburbs. It's long since been chased out of most of our big cities. It's got problems, which is why David Cameron came along talking about modernisation. Theresa May a hundred years ago told them that people thought they were the nasty party. You know, there's a reason why it's had these fits of introspection and self-criticism, because if you if you view it from a distance, it is in a mess. But there's no voice of self-criticism bit, or change in this contest at all. Not
3: at all. Penny literally
0: mean... says we want the old songs. We right. don't want any of your newfangled punk rock music. You know, we just we just want the old standards. Margaret Thatcher tax cuts.
2: A friend of mine has got in his kitchen a, a damp floorboard and there's been a slight smell of it. It's been there for years. And I said to him, what, you know, why don't you do something about it? He said, I, ch- I actually can't face finding out what the problem is. And he said, that's the same reason, for, by the way, that I don't go into therapy. You can't face finding out what the problem is. I do think there's a sense that this Conservative Party doesn't really want to understand what lies beneath why have we been trapped why has the country been trapped in their psychodrama why can't they essentially get therapy why don't they? Why don't they try and work out what is going wrong repeatedly? And the answer is, yeah, is because they've continued to sort of win whilst being totally dysfunctional. And that is the only thing that will make will cause will cause introspection. Now, I believe is 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 lost. Because otherwise, they will carry on.
0: But it's an ingrained trait as well, isn't it, of the upper middle classes and the upper classes in England in particular that the elephant can be in the room for 30-odd years yeah. before anybody says, what's that big grey thing doing here? Yeah. So it's it's not... It's, I agree with you. Particularly, particularly it's with it's the a one we just It's a combination of had. both those things. They keep I mean, winning in this awful state, and at the same time, the sort of people who are Conservatives are useless at sort of candid self-examination. Well,
3: there's two other things that need to be mentioned here. One... Well, actually, they're both Brexit, actually. But one of them is, yeah, is the fact that actually having the Brexit as a project detached so much of British politics from all the questions of what you would do if you were in the business of pursuing sort of rational economic policy or engaging meaningfully with Britain's place in the 21st century. So once you've cut the cord at that point, then you, you might as well just be living in the kind of weird fantasy world. And the other point is that, you know, I, I'm sure I've said this on this podcast before, but in 2019 in that, in a European parliamentary, the Tories had well 9% and then Boris Johnson essentially swallowed the Brexit Party. So actually the Conservative Party that we have now is the Conservative Party plus UKIP as it was in 2019. And so actually you know, it's, it's very difficult to conceive of what the next Conservative Party will be without having to try and sort of disaggregate some of that stuff, which obviously they don't want to do. So that, there's a very good sort of psychological motive for denial there as well. Now, uh,
0: some of the ways, the dysfunctional ways that this sort of denial and refusal to look at itself um, manifests itself is is the Conservative Party or certain conservative high-profile politicians sounding completely unhinged. Can we just listen to Kemi Badenoch talking about Ben and Jerry's ice cream?
1: Our ability to defend the free market as the fairest way of helping people prosper has been undermined. It has been undermined by a willingness to embrace protectionism for special interests, it's been undermined by retreating in the face of the Ben and Jerry's tendency. Those who say a business's main priority is social justice,
0: not productivity and profit.
2: It's £3.95 a tub. Right? It is. They really give a shit about profit. Let me tell you. Sorry if you're not. They sold that to Unilever
0: show. for £296 million. It's, it's a brilliant capitalist story. She
2: sounds like someone, for someone who's like really preoccupied with like, I don't want Twitter to run the, the country. She sounds like someone who's never off Twitter. I don't think anyone cares about any. Go walk down any high street and ask them if they know that Ben and Jerry's is a social justice motivated company. <laughs> what are you talking about? No one normal has got any sense of this. It's just something that's happened on Twitter, but she thinks it's real. For it someone who doesn't
3: like it, she spends a lot of time on it. There is something deeply depressing, actually, about the way. I mean it's not just a kemi badnock that there's a whole segment of the contest that seems to think that actually if you if you if, because you don't actually have an argument to the very specific economic problem we have right now which isn't the necessarily the need for tax cuts it's actually about inflation and the fact that everyone's energy bills are going to go up by 12 15 20 percent in just a few months time and in, in the absence of having anything coherent to say about that you just kind of wander off to a totally different part of the political field and say let's just start a massive cultural war uh, and that will give us a sense of animating purpose and and i you just think how is whoever wins the contest in those terms then going to be able to people don't
2: care about people don't care about this thing i think they're going to run up against the reality of this people don't care about all the statues and all the
0: absolute other nonsense she was talking about people do not care and she's still but she's still in the race she is she she has the support of let me look hold on a minute bad knock. forty Tory MPs.
2: Well, I hope she's got more in the tank, yeah, and she'll the come Highs out Spring. the other
0: side as an influential Tory oh, politician will, she, yeah. with quite a high cabinet rank. I would imagine. Yeah, she will as she invades against Ben and Jerry's, unless Deep Hagen gets involved. Yeah, <laughs> I think they think it's the sort of GB News view of the world, isn't it? Yeah, but there are people out there who. Walk yeah, but we past can actually see the ratings in Waitrose and go fucking Ben and But we can
2: see the ratings of how many people out there. Some of these shows get zero ratings. What? No, honestly, pollsters fucking say that nobody McCartney. cares about it.
3: I think there is also a <laughs> US influence there. Amer- British conservatism is very, very influenced by American conservatism in yeah. that respect. There is a lot of cross-fertilisation there, and, they, and that, that has been actually a really fruitful and lucrative avenue of grievance mongering on the american right and i think i don't think i think we are are more european okay let's talk about
0: something else um one question that springs to mind watching this contest apart from how anyone could have that much of an objection to ben and jerry's ice cream is this question about the red wall and one strand of boris johnson's politics which he didn't take terribly seriously as it turned out but it was there it was a very important symbolic part really of the last two or three years levelling up the idea of, you know, state interventionism and all that. And that's just completely disappeared. Nobody's mentioned
2: levelling up. Nobody in any, none of these, unless I've missed something, not one of these candidates have talked about levelling up, which is supposedly the central policy. There is an entire ministry that is about it and none of them are talking about it. It's like, right, he's gone, let's get rid of that idea then because no I,
0: one I, even knows what it is. I was just told that Tom Tugendhat did but that's a bit like, isn't that the tree falling in the forest when there's no one there? I but think we well,
2: anyway. saying it because he wants to appeal to that northern he's research to
0: He's very good friends with that apparently. Jake Berry. he Jake Berry
2: And actually, in fairness, in Rishi Sunak's
3: launch video, he did hold up a sign that said levelling up. I did clock that.
0: But, Nonetheless, it's barely there, isn't no. it? Here's a question, then, in the in the context of all of that sort of unhinged thinking and this general sense we have, which I think is a little bit too easy that it's absurd, because not all of it's absurd. But here's a question. Is the Tory party certain to be a loser at the next election?
2: No, I don't think so. It
0: doesn't feel like that to me either.
2: No, and,
3: uh, but it comes back to something you were saying earlier about how they just keep going on and on. I think... It's one of those things where if they lose, in hindsight, bias will all say, well, obviously, it was completely unravelling and it was actually a bit like the mid-90s and John Major's decrepit government, and it was all falling, falling apart. But at the moment, it definitely doesn't have that aura about it. But I, it's possible that actually in a kind of Stockholm Syndrome way we are just now all, we've, we've come to accept there's something insuperable and impregnable about this conservative project that keeps reinventing itself and actually that's just simply not true anymore and the country is getting ready to shrug them off but I, I, I personally I can't feel it but it wouldn't surprise me if that turns out to be true
0: OK but the, the opposition Um, thus far, notwithstanding the fact that it's jumped ahead in the polls of late and those two by-elections were lost, not both of them obviously to the Labour Party, there is a sense still that that Keir Starmer isn't quite doing it. And there's a a theory which has almost become a cliche really over the last sort of two or three weeks, which is that Starmer defined himself against Boris Johnson chiefly. I miss the sort of functional and competent and boring as against this flamboyant fellow who can't keep his trousers on and in the midst of lockdown just just wants to get drunk with his friends, etc. etc. Now if... Johnson is replaced by somebody, as it seems almost certain he will be, who won't have those qualities at all and will go out of their way to say, I too am functional and competent and I'm not the sort of person who would have parties in lockdown. Has Keir Starmer got trouble? I think
3: Keir Starmer's main asset will be the extreme likelihood that whoever becomes the next leader of the Conservative Party will very quickly have the right wing of the Conservative Party on their back for betrayal for something, whether it's not cutting taxes fast enough or having to do something vaguely sensible around the Northern Ireland Protocol to develop normal relationships with Paris and Berlin. So... The, the the possibility that it will just look like very deeply dysfunctional government, regardless of who the actual prime minister is, I think will be quite high because actually, for all the things we we're discussing a moment ago, those divisions are quite profound. and they're not <laughs> But all he all needs all to
2: find another gear that isn't just telling people off or remonstrating with people for their bad behaviour or dysfunction or chaos or whatever it is. He needs to offer something of his own and himself that people want. And if he can't do that, then ultimately... You can see how there is uh, how it's how it could unravel for them as well.
0: And oh God, they've got a job on. I mean, as our colleague Martin Kettle always points out, for the Labour Party to form a majority in Parliament after the next election, they have to win seats that where they didn't win, even in nineteen ninety seven. But there has to be a Labour MP for Basingstoke. But there are an awful
3: lot of people who generally going back a long time, really don't want to vote Conservative. And some of them did because they wanted to get Brexit done or because they didn't want Jeremy Corbyn to be Prime Minister. Some of those people can be persuaded to vote anything other than Conservative. And then you don't actually need Labour to win. You just need the Tories to lose. Um, I mean, it's it's complicated because of the coalition arithmetic, but actually that does lower the bar a little bit.
0: But all that apart, there will be a honeymoon of some description for the next Conservative leader. And they probably will be able to position themselves as being not Boris. And a lot of people will think that's a good thing. And therefore, we will get the sense, at least in the short term, that they're sort of back in the game, won't we? Well,
3: there is that kind of Fleet Street kind of bellows thing that will turn even the most pathetic ember of a Tory leader into some kind of flame for a while, isn't there? I mean, Definitely.
2: People will be talking all about it and how exciting it is and all the way to the conference and then there'll probably be some implosion, but... <laughs> It'll be a much shorter honeymoon simply because of the fundamentals, because there's been nothing like this for so long and it's really going to be very difficult. It's not it's two, two weeks, weeks in the
0: Seychelles. it's like a weekend in bridling.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, and also, <laughs> crucial point, Boris Johnson
3: is still going to be there around being Boris Johnson and he now actually has quite a strong investment in his successor failing yeah. because he needs it to be true that only Boris could do what Boris did. And although I don't even be sure he's necessarily conscious of that, but he will be this brooding presence on the whole
0: thing. Imagine Boris Johnson's a backseat driver, God help us. Anyway, just to Finish. um Can you tell us who you think are going to be the last two candidates standing? And then go on, tell us who you think is going to win. Oh God, I mean, I mean, I suppose it'll. I think it'll be
2: Sunak and mordent But I, you know, don't take any of my predictions. I don't like making predictions.
0: Oh, and then mordent wins.
2: I would, I would have thought she would definitely. If if that's the battle, yes. Right.
3: Yeah, it's boring, but I think I agree. I think I think Liz Truss will. Um, will come unstuck because she's just that kind of rigid and lacking agility. Morden will edge her out as the beat Sunak candidate, and then once it goes to the members, then
0: Morden could win. Uh, I think I agree with that, and my vision of the immediate future is. To the sound of, I vow to thee my country, the worst hymn ever written, this country will stumble uncertainly really to whatever future <laughs> awaits it. Don't spoil it, Raph, that Sorry. was my high-flown poetic oh, bit.
3: What were you going to say? I was going to say, what particularly annoyed me about that video was actually the slogan where she said, it's got to talk less about the leader, more about the ship. Why didn't she say captain? If you said captain, it works as a metaphor. Less about the captain, more about the ship. But because she, she wanted
2: leader. to split ships- the word leadership into two. So she said, oh, we've had a problem yes, with leadership. So, we want to talk less about the, the world, leader. Yeah. Yeah. Or about the Entire shit. Entire and whole I'm and not per- b- b- backing her. And also, it's not a shit him. but carry on.
0: It's bloody awful, man. They made me sing that at primary school every day for about four years. Entire and whole and you perfect. Done? The service of my love. Right. On that note, thank you for joining us. That was a, a, a brilliant, brilliant conversation uh, about this awful and somewhat depressing spectacle. Marina Hyde and Raphael Baer. Thank you, John.
2: Oh, thank you for having us, John. Sorry, I was so overwhelmed by your poetic bit. That That's I...
0: OK. I didn't write the words. Um, thanks for listening out there. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure you subscribe to Politics Weekly UK, wherever you get your podcast. Marina's book, What Just Happened? Dispatches from Turbulent Times, is out on the 6th of October. Early promo. There is a link on this podcast page to the Guardian Bookshop website where you can pre order it. This episode was produced by Frankie Toby, the music was by Axel Cacoutier, and the executive producers are Maz Ebterhage and Nicole Jackson. See you next week. This is The Guardian.